Hello, everyone. I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn, and it's finally time. I am here to do a review of Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. My most anticipated movie of the year has finally come out, and it is a mammoth of a movie. But here I am giving it a shot to review it for you. This movie is written and directed by Christopher Nolan and shot specifically for IMAX screening. I definitely recommend you see this one on the big screen and on the IMAX screen if possible. It is absolutely stunning. The story is a complicated portrayal of a man divided. Divided in mind, divided in what he should do, his brain is filled with the possibilities, what he called the terrible possibility. He knew he could give the world the ability to destroy itself. He had this quote that he said and is in the movie, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Oppenheimer was a man driven to complete the task of making the atom bomb and being able to launch it and harness this power. He was fascinated by the science that would allow him to be able to do this and at the same time horrified by its possibilities. The story is based on the nonfiction book American Prometheus by Kai Bird. And this was also incepted into the last Christopher Nolan movie, which was Tenant. During a conversation between the protagonist and the character Priya, they discuss Oppenheimer and his role in making this terrible power. The framing of this story is set during the Oppenheimer security hearings that were held in 1954, where the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission had to decide whether or not Oppenheimer's security clearance would be renewed. This is a non-linear take on that event. That is the main frame. But as we are in this trial and they speak about certain events, we see those events portrayed on screen. We are learning about this character of Oppenheimer, and Christopher Nolan chooses to do this by framing specifically this trial that became a key part of his life. The creation of the atomic bomb and all that went into that was a key moment, but this trial was a key moment because it decided how America and how history would remember, at least for the moment, him and how people would think about him and what he did and talk about him. And so this trial for him was a key defining moment in his life that decided his fate. And so Christopher Nolan chooses to center the events on that trial, while at the same time, going into depth with the story on the events he was on trial for. So it's a very clever framing device done non-linearly because this is a Christopher Nolan movie and he likes to play with time. So it's not just about the story on the screen. It's about these big ideas that he wants us to wrestle with. 
big ideas that he wants to present and make us think about things like power and greatness and consequences and loyalty. Oppenheimer knew that what he did during the Manhattan Project would create a chain reaction that could never be stopped. This terrible power that he actually granted to the rest of the world and he remembers by. And Christopher Nolan wants us to wrestle with that too. In order to bring the story to life, Christopher Nolan chose a very extensive and specific cast. Of course, in the main role is Killian Murphy playing J. Robert Oppenheimer and his mesmerizing blue eyes that engulf you in the screen, eyes that are haunted by what he's done and what he can do and what he's working on. Very much an interior look into this man that we struggle to understand. And so the movie frames the, his parts of the story in color and actually makes it a first-person perspective. This is in one sense, of course, a biopic about Oppenheimer. And this is a great example of how you want to do a biopic, which is you don't want it to be a Wikipedia page where you're just spewing out facts that people could go online and read about. The way this is done, the way this is filmed, the way Killian Murphy acts and the way Christopher Nolan directs Killian and the people around him is we are showing an interpretation of how Oppenheimer felt about himself and felt about what he was doing. This, the way that it's acted gives us great insight into his interior life as depicted by the book American Prometheus. Probably second only to Killian Murphy in the importance for this movie would be Robert Downey Jr. playing Louis Strauss, who is the founding commissioner of that atomic U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. And he becomes almost the nemesis of Oppenheimer. There are two men that are from very different worlds. And there's, they are the primary vehicles for this story. And the comparison that Nolan is making between these two men and their versions of greatness and what they think that means and what their ultimate goals are. Nolan very much portrays Strauss as a man who desperately wants approval and importance, whereas Oppenheimer is not in it for human praise, really, but he's in it for the science and the possibility. And he's driven by something much more beyond human approval. And so I appreciate how they interpret these characters to give us that insight. Robert Downey Jr., as we know, a lot of people think of him as Iron Man. And before that, he often played kind of not quite Tom Cruise level, but cocky characters. 
And so this is kind of nice to see him in a different kind of role. Someone who on the outside seems to have it all together and is in it for the good of the country. On the inside, he's a small man in some ways because of his desperation to be liked and be important. Robert Downey Jr. does a great job bringing out his character and the complication of that. But this is just a few of the many cast of characters and Christopher Nolan and his casting director spent obviously spent a lot of time picking people that would take these roles seriously, no matter how minor that they may seem on the page, like how few, no matter how many few seconds these people were on the screen, he made sure they all were there with this sense of presence that tends to be part of a Christopher Nolan ensemble cast. So as I said before, this is filmed in IMAX for IMAX. It's filmed in 65 millimeter and and in different colorizations. The sections that are in color are from the perspective of Oppenheimer and they're done in first person where the black and white is filmed from Strauss's perspective and is done almost more in a documentary style and at a distance. The movie clearly is not done to give Strauss's perspective. He is very much filmed as from the external. They do give him the respect to for us to get to know why he's doing what he's doing, but he's definitely viewed as an antagonist, not necessarily the main antagonist, but he is an antagonist in the movie. So it, the movie does not want us to relate to him, although the movie wants us to understand him. Now, I talked a little bit already about the themes, but just know the point of this movie isn't for us to know whether or not he was indeed a communist, although that's definitely something you'll have ideas about after this movie and you might even research but the point of the story isn't necessarily the trial itself or this it's decision that was made and if the if the decision the the people made was correct or not that's not really what the movie is about it goes back to that terrible possibility and the burden that was placed in some ways, upon Oppenheimer, both before and after he was given this role. They wanted him in this role. They wanted him to make the great fire. And then when they no longer had a use for him or he did not go with the flow, they were ready to discard him like a piece of trash. The movie kind of is about that too and how this country or perhaps any country would treat the great minds that when people foster these great minds and unleash these powers, they don't always think through the consequences of that. And perhaps Oppenheimer himself hadn't thought about the consequences until it was a little too late. But we also have this character of Strauss and Nolan makes a point to sort of compare and contrast these people. 
Strauss was this, like I said, a very polite guy, but underneath he had this bitterness that he kept hidden. He wanted to be great. And he felt like he was kept from that because of Oppenheimer. And so he held this grudge and he patiently waited and built up his resentment as opposed to Oppenheimer, who is on the outside, a little pompous, a little introverted, a little hard to read. He's not necessarily saying all the words, although he could be very persuasive, but he wasn't seeking popularity or titles. In the end, that meant less to him than doing what he thought was right or what he needed to do to protect his country and to keep evil from taking over the world. Those were his two main motives as portrayed in this movie. In the end, with these two people, we see how people saw them differently. Even though Oppenheimer was kind of put through the ringer, he had friends that respected him and remained loyal to him in their own way. Yes, maybe they testified against him during these trials. They had differences of opinion. We do see Albert Einstein, who had a difference of opinion and spoke it fervently in front of Oppenheimer, but he still had a respect from Oppenheimer. He would walk with him. He would talk with him. He would give him his time. We see that he's Oppenheimer is a person that commanded respect, as opposed to Strauss, who seems like he has all the refinements. But in the end, the way he's portrayed is that he's a very small man and that even the people that were assigned to help him were sort of happy when he got called out for some of his shady behavior. Very much gets at that thing of integrity and what you do matters and that people do form an opinion about you. And even if they disagree with your decisions, they can still respect who you are and be able to still shake your hand at the end of the day. And of course, it's a Christopher Nolan movie, so we're going to handle memories and how we remember things. And like I said before, there are scenes in this movie that we see multiple times. We see them in black and white first, and then we see them in color. But it kind of gets at the idea of you don't always have all the information. We see the same scene multiple times. And then the next time we see it, we filled in some of the blanks and we can understand that section a little bit more. There's in particular a scene where Albert Einstein is on the water and he loses his hat. We see that scene, I believe three or four times. And finally at the end, we get to see the whole picture. And because of this one moment, at least as it's, as it's portrayed in Oppenheimer, this one moment bred inside of Strauss, this deep resentment of Oppenheimer that surely he must have had, he must have said something to Albert, Albert Einstein that made him dislike Strauss. And 
That's a true thing. I mean, I don't know if that event is true, but I'm saying people do that. They will see two people talking across the room and assume that somebody's talking badly about them. And out of that can be a lifetime of grudges. So I thought that was very realistically done. And I really admire Christopher Nolan for that. Some of the great features of this movie are going to always be the way it's filmed. We have director of photography, Hote Van Hoytema, who does all of the wonderful filming. And then the music by my boy, Ludwig Gornsson. Shout out to him. He does amazing things with this score again and the sound design oh my gosh is so amazing there are so many scenes where Oppenheimer is in a room and he inside of his head is experiencing things that are different than the rest of the people in the room because of what is going on inside of him and they do with the sound, they bring this out with the sound design that there is this unsettling thing inside of him, this drive, this thing coming for him, this machine, this industrial machine that is just out to destroy the world and nobody else can see it except for Oppenheimer. And they do this beautifully with both the photography and the sound and the music. And so it's just excellently done. It's a great package. You might be wondering, uh, obviously I have a lot of love for this movie. I have a lot of love for Christopher Nolan and the effort that he put into this. Did he pull it all off? Well, there's a lot of plates in the air. This is movie is a Hydra and there's a lot of plates spinning, a lot of things that he wanted to touch on. A lot of themes, a lot of characters, a lot of moments. Did he tie it together? I believe so. Is this a perfect film? No. There might be a little padding. There might be some scenes that went through really fast and I didn't quite get exactly what he was doing. Might need a couple of watches. But this is a wonderful achievement Besides Dunkirk, this is only the second historical movie he's done where he gets at a realistic event. This is quite something, having him dive into this specific incident, which in so many ways ties into themes he's been exploring all of his life and bringing to us. So it's not a perfect movie, but Christopher Nolan does manage to juggle all the plates and bring it home for me. So those are my thoughts about the movie. I hope you enjoyed this review. Please leave a comment. I recommend you see it. See it in IMAX. If you can, if you're lucky enough, see it in IMAX 70 millimeter. I don't have one in my state, unfortunately, but if you can arrange that, go see it. Don't wait to see this one at home on streaming. That would be so sad. I can't even I can't even imagine that being your first watch to have it on your screen at home unless you have some setup. So definitely see it in that IMAX screen if you can. See it a couple times. This is a great movie. 
I hope you enjoy this review. Keep supporting movies, especially movies like this that have no CGI, practical effects, and a wonderful cast that Christopher Nolan has put together and given us another wonderful movie to watch. So that is it for this issue of one of my stories. And I hope you have a good evening. Good night.